Oh my gosh, what the heck is going on? Our pets' heads are falling off. It is week six in the NFL, and it is time to G-O go. It is Chris Sims and the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Man, Yankees are on tonight. Anything to take my mind off of the NFL, because I don't get it. Um, I'm going to wait. All right, all right. This is a common theme. I've had a lot of people say this to me today. So, okay. And it started with you texting me this last night that you don't get it. Sims got very upset at me last night because he texted me and he goes, he was watching from behind. Right. And he goes, it's 10 nothing Giants. And I wrote, oh, man, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> I'm not, I don't trust this anymore. And then you said something like, I don't get the NFL yes. or something like that. And I've had a few people say this to me. This is the one thing... W- As fans, myself included, I'm not discluding myself from this conversation because I put the good teams on a pedestal pedestal too sometimes. Because they're consistent. Well, that is. But, but this is the NFL. It's 32 singular businesses where their business is football. And the rules are the same for everybody. And once again, I would just like to clarify to you, hey, listen, this year is crazier than ever, certainly. But the difference between the teams is minuscule. Even when you look at, let's say, the Giants were one of the five worst teams in football and the Broncos were one of the five best. When you miss two field goals and throw a pick six and throw another interception and fumble the ball, I don't give a shit how much fucking better you are. You're going to lose. Yeah. Okay. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. It's just, we we all, it's not college football. This isn't number one in the nation versus, you know, number 75 where they win by 45 nothing. It's just not that way. I mean, the Chiefs are the best team in football. They got dominated yesterday, and they could very easily be two and four as that easily they as they are five dominated, and one. But they were one just exactly. interception or Andy Reid actually kicking a field goal right. from being right there. So we, we all have to, to wrap our heads around that. We need to go, though, to the First Amendment. And, of uh, course, that is. I stopped watching football yesterday. I don't even know what happened. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. <laughs> And then I almost lost my other man crush, Leonard Fournette, in the four o'clock games. I know, but holy to me though, they lo- We've lost Odell. We've lost JJ. Damn. Hold on. There is a list that was made of the injured players. I mean, A. Rod, Rogers, and Odell are like staples of Sims and Lefko. That's what I'm saying. It so, hurt us the most. Woo! All right. Here is the roster of guys that are injured, and you tell me if they could win a Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. Aaron Rodgers, David Johnson, and Dalvin Cook in your backfield. Oh, yes. Odell and Allen Robinson and Julian Edelman at wide receiver. Damn. Greg Olson at tight end. Your starting line would be Derek Newton, Jack Muhort, Forrest Lamp, Marshall Yanda, and Zach Streif. Pretty good. Defensive line is J.J. Watt, Haloti Nada, Dominique Easley, and Trent Murphy. Holy crap. Linebackers are Marcus Golden, Jarrell Freeman, and Whitney Merciless. Corners are Jason Verrett, uh, Tony Lippett. Okay. Okay. Little, uh, Tava, Tava, we got a weak spot. <laughs> and then this where it gets funny. Tavon Young, Eric Berry, and Quinton Demps. Gosh. That's a pretty unbelievable team, though. That's Those are the guys that have been injured. Yes. And I want to shout out Mark Skubado, who sent that to me. He goes, do you think they could win the Super Bowl? I think they'd have a chance. Yeah, they would Aaron Rodgers and Odell, yeah. and I'm good. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers up to this point, 13 touchdowns, three interception. It looks like he's going to end this year with a passer rating above 103. Yesterday, they were updating it every one minute and seven seconds on Fox. Because I looked over at Sims, I was like, they keep saying breaking news. It happened four hours ago. Yeah. But that's how big Aaron Rodgers is. It is. is. Uh, 
Packers Super Bowl odds went from five to one to sixteen to one. It's a seventy percent decline. Vegas considers him one of only two players that are worth six to seven and a half points. Brady. The other is Ben. Ooh. Brady was lessened because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure, it's right. the drop off. Right. But that's Aaron Rodgers, man. Yes. It, it, from collarbone, I know he came back after seven weeks last time. We haven't had the official report and yet. And he wasn't worth a damn, though, in those games. you got to remember, that was when they lost the 49ers in the wild card game, and he wasn't himself. So even if he gets back, he's not going to be like Aaron Rodgers, jump on my shoulders and I'll carry the squad. Um, so, sorry. It's over, though. It is over. What happens to the Packers after this? What happens with Brett Hundley? What happens with this coaching staff this season? Uh, I think, well, the Packers are definitely in a predicament. I are mean, they done? I, I think they're done. I think they're going to be play a lot of teams tough. Uh, I do think, you know, listen, McCarthy coaches them tough, and even though I get mad at them for their lack of creativity, they're detailed in what they do. They were still in that game so when he went out yesterday. I give them credit, and I think they were really in the game more because Minnesota was just like uh, – Minnesota, I mean, of course, you think oh, about yeah. it, the McKinnon fumble, and then Keenum threw an interception. That really right. kind of kept them in the game. My, my question for you is this. We yeah. have said for the longest time this team is all Rodgers, and that is it. He makes up for all of their mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to start coaching now. Mm-hmm. What is the philosophy for the for the Packers going forward that you think could lead to a winning football team? They, they just have to find some balance on offense. First of all, they can't expect Brett Hundley to be Aaron Rodgers and sit there 45 times a game and make magic. I mean, to make the amazing throws, the quick decisions, the quick throws that nobody else can make, the ability to buy time in the pocket and find the big plays down the field. They're going to have to get in some two tight end sets. They're going to have to run the football and be um, almost you know, stubborn about it to a degree right. to rest their defense as well and keep them fresh. Uh, and then Quinn Rollins is also on IR now, too. Right, so that's rough. So they're going to have to then, – then they're going to have to find the plays, especially early on, that Hunley is comfortable. I mean, Hunley, there you saw yesterday, though, I mean, he did throw three interceptions, and they weren't all his fault. No. But regardless, it just shows you it's tough to come into the middle of the year. It's tough when imagine. you haven't played a ton, and now you're going, ooh – you know, hey, can you carry us to the playoffs? The biggest thing that jumped out to me about that game that I, I thought was apparent through the TV was that literally the Packers sideline was dead. Mm-hmm. I, I just when I was sitting there watching, they just I felt like they were all sitting there like, man, season's over. Oh, well, good catch, yay! He good cursed throw. off Anthony Barr. He cursed it, out. It was Anthony, Anthony Barr. Barr? Uh, yes, it was. Who yeah. later got a concussion? But did you think it was a dirty hit? No, taking him all the way to the ground? Definitely not a dirty okay. hit. I mean, it was, they were running full speed, and it was momentum. And I even got mad at first. I was like, man, did Anthony Barr really do that? Like, why would he talk crap to Aaron Rodgers walking off the field? And I was like, well, yeah, he doesn't have a – he didn't know he broke his collarbone right. at that point. And, I mean, I probably would have talked crap too. So, uh, But it was just cool to see Rodgers turn around and say, F you. I think the thing that's kind of crazy and the thing that's really unfortunate is it's less fun. The NFL is less fun without Aaron Rodgers. Yes. There are no teams like the Packers where you could go, I know they're a six seed, but if he goes crazy. Yeah, right. I don't, I mean, look, there's a few guys on the Chiefs that have that ability, but they're not quarterbacks. Yeah. Deshaun Watson's that guy right now. He is that guy. And maybe we need to just jump on his bandwagon right now. 
Well, I, I'm, I'm willing to jump on. I I'm really willing am. to make him our new Rodgers. Right. I did not plan to do this. But <laughs> right. there's really no one else in the NFL that you're going to go, he could do anything. Carson Wentz is damn good. Well, that's what I was just about to say. Carson Wentz is your closest guy to me right now. I mean, Talk more, dirty more than me anybody. Sense. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy, it just doesn't matter the system. It doesn't matter the down and distance. He can just make it happen any way he wants to. Uh, hey, so you know, in my power rankings, I put the We're going to get to them in a second. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, let me that. talk about, though, how yeah. crazy. Someone, by the way, came in the comment section and said, You'll know anything. And then Kanish Kumar is saying, He knows football. I don't blame him. No one picked those games, Dolphins or Giants. They're pretty good in terms of football knowledge. Kanish, I love you. Thank you. You want to know how else all the experts did this week? Hmm. ESPN experts for week six were a combined 41 and 76 yeah. through Sunday night football. It was the first time in five years that an underdog of 13 plus points not only cover but one twice and it happened twice On the same weekend eight of 12 underdogs won straight up yeah that's crazy straight up i don't think people understand what that means in the gambling community it could have been 10 if the jets and the 49ers got it done Ooh. it wasn't like the other four were like real safe covers right, <laughs> right. the broncos uh we both picked the broncos yeah uh you have complained to me before that I only show you being dumb in your predictions. So I'm going to just show me and my prediction for the Denver Broncos game. <laughs> I am going. The old Patriots bet $800 on the Denver Broncos. They have no... The Giants have no receivers. They have no playbook. They're kicking DRC out. He's going to be suspended. They've lost the locker room. You're talking about a crap coach with no talent going on the road to a team coming off of a bye in a primetime game with a defense with Akib Dalib and Chris Harris Jr. and Von Miller and Bradley Shaquille Roby Barrett, and Bradley Roby, and, and Brandon Marshall, yep. and they are literally licking their chops to tear apart the New York team. I, I just don't see how it's not a 25-30 point win. <laughs> This, if this line was 19, I'd put $800 on it. And I know that I'm saying some stuff right now that could blow back on my face when I re-air it on Monday. I just, And I know that I've gotten zero Sunday night games right all season. I mean zero. I well, went back and looked back. Yeah. I didn't get Houston right last week. I've got them all wrong. I've never been more confident about a game, Sims. And then it goes and turns like that. Well, okay. I mean... A lot of things to say there, okay? I told, I gave you a little bit of what we – to start yes. off the show. It's yes. the NFL. I mean, Eli Manning wasn't going to go in the game and go, oh, I won two Super Bowls and I'm 0-5 and I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I ain't going to show up in Denver. I mean, they fucking have pride. I know. And, and, and again, okay, crazy thing is here, off the field stuff, right? This is one of the themes I just thought of as I was thinking back about the weekend. The three teams that had the worst week of off the field stuff, I mean, Dolphins blowing lines on the coaches' table. Yes. Steelers dealing with whatever else. Big Ben. And, and the, yeah, Antonio yeah. and Mark Tavis. Yeah. And then you have the Giants, all one. So, wow. again, you think about distractions. Yes, distractions can be distractions. But, again, we can't – they can also be a uniting thing in a locker room. They really can be. You can't um, – you, you just – you can't underplay that enough or overplay that enough. Is that what I'm trying to say? But the other thing, Lefko, is – you know, hey, the Giants won. 
the Broncos were the better team. I just watched the film. It's it's were they really? They were the better team. I mean, the Giants drove the ball twice the whole night. They went down on the first drive and got a field goal. Second, the other drive for the touchdown they got. It's three to nothing. Uh, let's see. The Broncos missed a field goal to make it three to three. Right. The Giants get the ball and go down the field. Eli makes a great play, escaping the pocket, hits a first down. Right. The guy crossing. Next play or or Darkwa up the middle. Big run. They score a touchdown on that drive. It's 10-0. Game's fine. The Broncos are still going to be fine. But as you've heard me say before, Trevor Simeon had his four or five plays where he thought he was freaking Aaron Rodgers again. And as you say that, let's just, because it's, I think, one of my new favorite clips, let's roll that wonderful footage of you being Did I say that on here, though? Trevor Simeon. Okay, that's good. I'm glad I said that on this publication. I'm going $500. I mean, you made all the points. I don't have anything more to say. I think the only thing that scares me is just Trevor Simeon, every now and then during a game, he thinks he's Aaron Rodgers for like four plays. And I want to go like, whoa, horsey. Give me the horse sound again. Let me rein him in. Oh, horsey, hold on there. Uh, hold on, Trevor. You're Trevor Simeon. Don't be Aaron Rodgers yet. You're getting close, but come on. Uh, that's the only thing that scares me is him throwing like pick sixes to a Landon Collins. Well, you called it. Well, and you gave us one of the best horse noises. Can you do that again? Hold it back, Trevor. You're Trevor Simeon. I mean... They're in field goal range on the first interception yeah. to Landon Collins. Lefko, I could show you the film right now. If he just throws the check down to Jamal Charles, he's going to get the first down and know oh. who knows what happens on that drive. So there you go. Hey, yes, the Giants put out a spirited effort. They played well. But Broncos coming off a bye week, sloppy, made some stupid mistakes. Yep. Janoris forces a fumble, gets a pick six. Game was over right two, there. Two things. Why are teams still throwing out routes at the end of the first half? How many times did we see that yesterday? Yes. Uh, Chris Hogan threw a pick six. But this was like over, under. He's got a guy in the flat and a guy 20 yards behind him. And if he throws it to Demarius Thomas, they're going to get 20 yards and yeah. he's going to go to bounds and they're still going to be able to chance to get field goal. The other thing that you've been saying for a long time is that coming off of a bye is not always a good thing. Yes. Falcons off of a bye, right. loss. Broncos off of a bye, loss. Washington off of a bye, Almost. barely beat San Francisco. Right. Saints off of a bye, nearly blew a huge lead that was practically insurmountable right. and it came back. There's just a weird timing thing going My on. My experience with buys just as a player was almost never good. Never. I was on a 6-0 and Broncos team. We had a bye week. Man, we didn't win for a fucking two months after that. We just l- totally lost our mojo. Trevor Simeon didn't look like he was in the flow. They, he, it's, Everybody I, looked like they were starting over. The quarterbacks, I feel like, fall into like the 7-on-7 seven seven trap. Like, oh, I've had two weeks of practice and I haven't been hit. And, oh, I could take the extra hitch in the pocket and wait for the guy to come open. Or, you know, there's no consequences of forcing yeah. it down the middle. They get sloppy. Other thing we have to talk about with the Giants. Can I bring up this Ben McAdoo quote before you do it? Sure. He told Michelle Defoyle that he turned over play calling to Mike Sullivan because the entire team needed me this week. <laughs> they needed you not to call the plays. Yeah. That, thanks, Ben. You paying attention in secondary camp. Was He's great. Somebody else called the plays. Sullivan did well, though. Was it different plays? It was a different game plan. I mean, if the Giants did this 
what they did yesterday, first of all, you know what they did the whole game? Two tight ends. Two receivers. Oh, they finally got out of 11 for me. It was, they started the game with Red Ellison and Ingram in at a tight end, and they ran more run schemes in the first half of that game, I wrote in my notes, than they have in the whole year combined. Wow. And that was a big thing. Um, and then just, just on the other side of the ball, listen, of course they made plays. That's why I thought the Giants would probably be in the Super Bowl. I thought their defense could kind of play this style. Force plays, bend, don't break, but they're going to get a sack fumble or they're going to pick pick six, whatever it may be. That's what they did last year. Snacks Harrison was phenomenal in the game as well. Mm. I mean, phenomenal. If he played like this the first five weeks, they would not be 0-5. And, and if they had this offensive game plan, they would not be 0-5. I'm yeah. not saying they'd be 5-0, and 0, but no. they'd be a totally different team. It was yeah. impressive. And what they did on the offensive line, shuffling around, our man Justin Pugh. Kicked ass in the right tackle. He was a great matchup for Von Miller. The, one of the things I wrote down, because of his athleticism, he didn't have to ab- abandon, abort all his technique to worry about speed around the edge. Because he's quick enough. So he kept himself in good position always to where Von usually gets the guys that are big and slow. Oh, gosh, i got to get back there to protect the edge. And then they get off balance, and then he puts his hands in their chest and he knocks them out. Right. He couldn't do that to Pugh. Damn, I just realized that Justin Pugh made a shitload of money last night. Probably. Justin Pugh's going to be a free agent after this year, and he shut down Von Miller on Sunday Night Football Woo! in a spot right tackle start. Pugh. Pugh. He's paying for us next time yeah, we go take out. Take us out. He wants to do another podcast. You in? Oh, definitely. All right, cool. Yeah. He actually wants his name in the title. Okay. He wants it Sims and Lefko and Pugh. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's costing. Uh, we'll, have to call, we'll have to see that new salary. Maybe you can uh, get it on there. The uh, the other team that we were wildly wrong on, I got to show both of us being wrong. I don't care. Here are our predictions, Falcons and Dolphins. Don't be upset. I'm not. <laughs> One of my big bets of the week. Okay. $300 on the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think Miami's going to score against Atlanta. Right. I just don't. The only thing that scares me in this is is the bye week issue, right? The bye week, does that always mean the team's going to play better? Of course, so I know. scare me. I am putting $500 on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think Atlanta's going to win this game 31-17. to Man, it was looking that way. Up 17 nothing at halftime. They go on to lose by three, 20 to 17. Uh, since uh, since 2008, Matt Ryan has the most losses of any quarterback after leaving by uh, leading by 17 or more points. Right. Uh, five. No one else has more than three. I saw that. I don't know what's going on, but Falcons. You were saying yesterday there was there was a little part of you that was saying, "Hey, Falcons fans, I told you so." A little bit, because I just feel like those are the people that have come after us. Like, you're not giving us this respect we deserve, and, you know, you're just mad because Shanahan went to the 49ers and we cut your brother. Sure, but, I, you know, I don't really give a damn about all that. I've been through all this crap my whole life. I can still evaluate objectively and go, no, this is not going to happen. And, yeah, I am scared even after watching the film. It's just I'm not sure the inventory of offense is the same under mm. Sarkeesian. Uh, and then the defense was disappointing, too. I mean, it's a 17 nothing. The, the Falcons are a bully. When they have you going down and things are going, they can really put it on and lay it yeah. on you. But Like they did against the Packers. Like they did against the Packers. Exactly right. But as soon as the game got a little ugly and, oh, man, long drives by the Dolphins' offense. It really took the, took the, the Atlanta Falcons' offense out of sync, and the game changed. Uh, we talked about it before. The Dolphins had the big, long drive before the end of the first half. Cutler throws the INT to an open receiver, just makes a bad throw. Uh, 
and then the second half they get the ball back and they go on an eight minute drive and go down and get a score a touchdown. Falcons go three and out. Dolphins go right back down and score yes. again, and all of a sudden it's seventeen fourteen and it's a different game. Um, so let me ask you this one question. Yeah. Then we have some breaking news. Dolphins are now three and two. Yes. Uh, Guy Jernson hit me up on Instagram and asked, "As bad as Miami has been, yeah, the three and two, right. they haven't allowed a twenty point." 20 points yet, and yeah. they've played Atlanta and the Saints. Right. If the offense gets figured out, can this team make some noise? Yeah, I, yes. It seems very similar to last year. I mean, that's what's really scary. Um, I cannot believe the Dolphins are 3-2. and two. Yeah, It well, just doesn't make sense. Well, they've been fortunate. I mean, they played the Titans with Matt Castle. Okay. Right. They beat, they the, beat the Chargers in their first game of the year, where the Chargers were playing their Young second Ho. game of the year. Yeah. Right. The Saints they lost twenty to zero. The Jets they lost twenty to six. They got their butts whooped in both of those okay. games. So, uh, and, and yesterday, yeah, good for them. They ran the ball. Cutler made some timely big throws. Jarvis Landry was tough as hell in a few big plays. And their defense. The one thing about their defense that jumps out to me, first of all, when they get on their base defense with Timmons, Maluga, and Kiko, Kiko Alonso, it's a pretty good three to slow down the run. Their front four is legitimate eight people deep. That like legit eight deep. You're talking I, about the Indomitian Sue, Jordan Phillips. Right. Cam yeah. Wake, yep. uh, Andre Branch. Uh, you get to the first rounder, the kid from Missouri. I'm blanking on his name. Yes. Uh, Charles Harris. Thank you, Canvasser. Yeah, Godshall. Uh, they play another rookie from Oklahoma State, 96, who I'm going to b- blank out on. But And then William Hayes. They have a legitimate eight. That's true. And then, and then you got Not a guy a lot like. Of teams have that. Much. No, they don't. And then Rashad Jones in the back end is better. Yeah. Cordea Tankersley is healthy at corner. And they got the Xavier Howard kid playing okay. Man. Uh, um, so the breaking but- news Bleacher Report app, we got it from, and a bunch of people in the comments section. Do I know this? The Raiders have signed Navarro, Navarro Bowman to yeah. a one-year, $3 million deal. Right. You said they needed him. Yes. And he wanted to stay in the Bay. Yes. Probably be with his family. How much of a game-changer can he be for a defense that needs a lot of help? He is definitely going to help them at that position. They are, that is probably the le- one of the least impressive parts of their football team because their D-line's not bad. The problem is the linebackers are young, they're inexperienced, and they just never cover up for the D-line when they do mess up. And that is an issue. Now, Bowman is still physically really good. Bowman's thing is going to be mental. How quick can he pick up this defense? Now, the good thing is he's been – the 49ers this year are running that Seattle scheme, which the Raiders run. That's great. So that should help out. But I could tell you from just watching film the last few weeks of the 49ers that Navarro Bowman does not know what he's doing a lot of the times. And that does scare me. How do you see that on film? Because you could just tell as far as that defense especially, they line up in some simple defenses where you just go, man, this guy's got this gap, this guy's got this gap. That's part of the reason why the Falcons, people are saying their defense is too simple. Yes, no doubt about it. Because everybody knows around the league what the responsibilities are. Without a doubt. And you're saying that when you watch Navarro Bowman, He's in a certain position, but not doing what he's not supposed always. to. What is he doing? No, he might just overreacts. He overruns the hole in general, or he just doesn't even give a crap about his gap, and he just goes where he wants to go. Could a Raiders team just use somebody though that's athletic? Yes, they could. They can use him because he's physical and athletic. The one thing, that, like I, another thing, I'll say about the Raiders: they're small at linebacker, so when the guards do get up on them and things, they just don't have the power to fight them off or stalemate a pulling guard in the hole, whatever it may be. And Bowman does have the ability. To do that as well. Mm. Yeah, they need it. It's a good sign by them. You know, again, 
He's he's not the best linebacker in football, hence the one-year, $3 million contract. Exactly. Right. Uh, all right, so now it is time to have a conversation with you. Uh, man, happens all the time. Our bets have sucked this year. <laughs> it's not just our bets. It's really everyone's bets. But I need to explain to you that you're missing out on a gift, that I am sitting here, a transcendent luminary, and they're missing out on the point. You're, yes. My picks this year, right. my left co locks for Sunday, right. 9 and 14. Okay. Okay. That's 39% accuracy. Right. Baseball, you'd be awesome. Beyond that, you're not, <laughs> again, you're like them. You're not seeing the point. Right. That means I'm giving you 61% of the time, bet against me. <laughs> I am the ultimate mush. I am the mush. If you understand, look, batteries have a positive and a negative force. They're equal. Right. Yin and yang. Gravity and the thing that pushes up against gravity that My I can't. Butt and hamstrings? I don't no, know. No, there's, there's a, another there's name another of it. thing? But I'm telling you that I'm giving. Do you know how hard it is to only be right 39% of the time? <laughs> Seriously. There are, someone tweeted out, Lefko, you're paying my mortgage because I'm betting against you every week. Awesome. That's what you should be doing. Good. Bet against me. It's hard to go either way like this. So now, thank you, Steve Keem, normal force. That's what goes up against uh, gravity. Let me give you the best, three best Lefko responses to Lefko's locks on Facebook. Facebook, where really angry people tell you to kill yourself and you kind of think they mean it. First up, <laughs> this one is honorable mention. It's Matt Romano who responded, don't care, boycotting the anti-American league. We're going to break your league until you're broke. So he did. He said, screw your left locks. I'm going against the league. And then he just went, damn, he just yeah. went rogue there. Number three, Matt Filipek. This guy is 0-2 and it's not even 6 o'clock yet. His job is more secure than a weatherman in San Diego. <laughs> Would love to see the pics and videos he has on those BR producers. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Number two, Jordy Michael. This guy's 8-11 and 11 on locks. You should start charging for these. Why keep giving them out for free? <laughs> he sees it. So he gets it. Yes. Yes. Bet against me, mush, mush for life. And the number one, Gif Dell. We should got to rename these. Lefkos, I have no idea what I'm doing for the love of God. Please let the Browns win this week. Oh, God. And that are your, those are your top three people making fun of Lefko on Facebook. And because of that, let's see what our last clip out is of the day. Oh, baby. Oh. How do we do with our big bets did you on, bet the on the Cleveland Browns? Browns? Not as much as you did. Oh, okay. This is more for my pleasure. Okay. <laughs> I went crazy. Did you? Just $10. Oh. But I'm going on the Cleveland Browns, plus nine and a half. And I just think that they're going to keep it close, Cleveland. I don't know why. Sometimes I have I go through and I go, that's a weird game to me. It just yeah. feels weird in my head. Right. Because every Sunday I sit there and go, I can't believe that, that the Browns kept it close. Right. I and mean, listen, you think you're going to Crazyville? Well... Welcome to the mayor of Crazyville. What? Bam! 290 on the Browns, Believeland. Yes, sir. <laughs> Believe that. Man, Damn. Kevin, Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan. Did you, feel, did, we, did you feel regret immediately? Yes. Okay. I did. I actually, I, it, you know, you have that moment where you just go, 
that's how it felt. But when he threw, what was that, the first interception to Jonathan Joseph? Yes. I just went, man, what was I thinking? Why would I bet on Kevin Hogan? I mean, why? This happened to us last year with Cleveland, where there was like four or five weeks in a row where you kept going, they're not going to lose by 12, <laughs> and they'd lose by like 30. <laughs> why? We, we got to stop this. Uh, we I'm, know trust th- me, I'm done. We know that bye weeks are bad. Yeah. We know that the Browns are never going to get better. Nope. I'm really sorry, Jake. Sorry, Browns. But it's just not happening. Sorry, Jake. Sorry uh, about the Indians, too. Sorry. Uh, Lyndon J. Smith, Lefko's mom makes better picks. Sharon! She might. All right, let's go to the game, though, that was actually a really good game, and it was with the team that you have number one in your power rankings. We're going to get to the power rankings in a second. Chiefs-Steelers. Yeah. Overall, you watched this film? I did. What were the big things that you took away from watching the film that you didn't see on the broadcast? Uh, okay, the the first thing is is I just... Man, the, the pulling guard... We talked about it a little as we were watching David the game. David DeCastro. David DeCastro, even when they did it the other way, too. So Sims has been saying this for a long time, that the Steelers love to take their guards and pull them and right. run Le'Veon Bell behind him, and a lot of times into the power. Yes. So you have two tight ends on the right, and then they'll pull a guard to add to it. Right. And a lot of teams want to do misdirection, and the Steelers go, no, we're going to throw five offensive linemen at you yeah. and then put Le'Veon behind Pretty you. Pretty much. And they'll do that, or they'll pull him and also have like the fullback set off weak and he comes underneath and is behind the pulling guard. So wow. then you got Le'Veon Bell being patient, reading to David DeCastro, and then reading Roosevelt Knicks at the fullback position. That was the big thing to me. I mean, when you look at Le'Veon Bell in his day, what did he end up with, like 178 or something yes. like that? 179. 179. Don't short him from that yard. I mean, I'm telling you, though, I would bet you like 150 of it came on pulling guard and the majority of that 150 from David DeCastro, who is – the best pulling guard in all of football, in my mind. What makes a guard a, a pulling guard a good pulling guard? First of all, is athleticism, right? Just his ability to get out of the stands, not not show that that he's pulling to the defensive lineman, right? So his ability to actually be in a three point stands and then get so not out like hands on his knees, right? Or like exactly that. right. I mean, he can line up the same way every time, no matter what the block is. Damn. And then his athletic ability, not only just to then get around the edge and knock people out of the way, but a lot of the times the people move too. They're trying like corners and safeties are like, damn, I don't want to take you hand, you know, head yeah. on, and they try to avoid him. But he's great in space as well. Um, Better than. Zach Martin? Yeah, he yeah, as a as a pulling guard, yes he wow. is. I mean, when they get they have plays too where they do Pouncey and DeCastro together pulling, that's a really rare combination. To have a center and a guard that are you both that good. You have always said the Steelers' offensive line is wildly athletic. Yes. They wouldn't be great for every scheme, right. but for what they run, wildly athletic. Wildly athletic. We've been saying it yeah. now for a few weeks. This is Le'Veon Bell's team and mm-hmm. the defense's team. I finally heard people on TV start talking about it yesterday. It seems they've made a change. No, they haven't. But I got some good quotes. Big Ben after the game, soaking up the praise. Quote, I, get this, I guess this old cowboy's got a little bit left in him. <laughs> You threw an interception that turned into a touchdown at the end of the game. Pretty much, you're right. I don't know what kind of cowboy that would be. The other quote that I thought was interesting, we got very upset. Andy Reid drove down the field that one big throw to Kareem Hunt. They get down there, and they're down what, nine? Yeah, I don't know. So it's a two-possession game. 12-3 to at that point. 12-3, to a two-possession game, and they decide to go for it, go for the touchdown. They don't get it, and they eventually kick a field goal, and they're down six. But if they would have kicked the field goal and then kicked the next one, they would have been down three. Andy Reid's response, I do what my gut tells me to do. 
It's a dangerous gut to listen to. Well, it, it's 12 to 3 with 13 minutes and 14 seconds in the fourth quarter. I wrote, kicked the effing field goal, Chiefs. I mean, that's that was stupid. You're right. Because then they did. They went down and got a touchdown. They made the game 12-10. Uh, and they would have been winning. Right. They could have been winning the football game. Exactly right. I just I don't understand it. It's been a common theme you and I have talked about a lot throughout the years. Coaches chasing points way too early in a football game, like acting like they know how the rest of the fourth quarter or the second half of the game is going to unfold. Biggest thing is, man, the Steelers' defense. First of all, the Steelers' defense, we know the front seven special. Yeah. Vin- Vincent Williams was amazing. It was his best game of his year. Stephon Tuitt was amazing. Sure. When they're healthy, it's a special front seven. They have the athletes and the scheme to stop the Kareem Hunts and the Tyree Kill speed sweeps and that stuff. The other thing is, this is where I think it's a really tough matchup, and some teams just have this with certain coaching staffs. The Steelers really understand the Chiefs' drop-back passing game, and they always have had people in the area Areas where they're trying to throw the ball. Is it because the Steelers play a lot of zone? It's all zone. The Have the Chiefs mainly played man-to-man defenses thus far? No, the Chiefs don't always. Oh, oh, you're saying have they played Faced. against? Yeah, they've played. They've certainly had a lot of big plays against man-to-man. They have certainly yes. And the the thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers, they play zones, but they do it in such unconventional ways, right? Left go where they can have four down linemen, right? And let's say Bud Dupree's one one of the defense ends. And now they bring up Shazier and it looks like, oh, they're going to bring Shazier and Dupree off this side. And they drop out. And now it's only the three guys rushing, but maybe a backside linebacker blitzes. I, I would call this blitz change coverage. Like, they're still only rushing four, right. but they've not made the it four looks, you thought it was Not the be. four you think it's going to be. And then they're seven into coverage to really confuse the quarterback. That's what they did phenomenal to Kansas City. Kansas City, my, my one thing I will say with them, weakness going forward. They have to build their inventory of zone dropback passing game. That was the biggest thing that was glaring to me. So this is not Chris Conley being heard or anything. This was actually the play call. I think so. Structure. Yeah, the play calling, their 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 way of attacking Pittsburgh probably has to change because you've seen that Pittsburgh has their number, plain and simple. I mean, the two games last year and now this game. It's so like the only two games they've lost in the last like 16 games. There you go. And they got killed on the, what, was that the Sunday night game? Remember early right. last year when they got blown out early? So... There's obviously something there that the Keith Butler has a beat yeah. on the Andy Reid offense. One, do you think it would be as affected if the Chiefs were able to establish some form of ground game early on and didn't have six total yards in the first half? And it seemed like they were playing from behind, which led itself to that. They and were. My other question, though, yeah. is Dick LeBeau's not there anymore. It's still the Steelers. How do the Steelers still have this? Like, how has a zone blitz concept stayed with a franchise even though the coaches have changed? Uh, that, that's, how has it become a legacy? That's a good question because it's really, they've always kept it in the family. That is the one thing about them. Why don't other families pick I, this You're up? right. They, they, there's a lot of other families that should probably do the same thing. But Pittsburgh has made a concerted effort ever since... The Dick LeBeau, Bill Cower, they just are going to keep somebody that was associated with that coaching staff. It's and awesome. they bring people back like Joey Porter and uh, Lake. Uh, is Greg Minuski from that too? Uh, no, Minuski is. Uh, I got to think of Minuski's whole history there because he was with the Colts. He's he's more Baltimore Ravens ish. 
that way, which is, has a lot of similar traits. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But Pittsburgh's just special in what Man. they do. Martavis Bryant yep. apparently reportedly requested a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Rappaport saying his teammates and coaches are well aware that he's unhappy, which I imagine he's in the locker room talking about it. Uh, do you think anything happens... And what is your take on this? I know that you're not a big fan of this story. Well, I just don't like that he's complaining, first of all. I mean, again, you know, I saw, like, the tweet from his girlfriend saying, like, you know, they don't give him the ball, they don't feature him, whatever. Right. And I'm sure the pressure's on him, right? He's, it's a contract year. He wants to do that. And he wants to build up some film. But my big thing is, listen, if you're in the position you're in, Martavis, because of you. So take accountability. We are the Players Podcast. I really like Martavis Bryant. You yeah. know that. I just don't. You missed a whole year because of failing drug tests. That has no. You have no one to blame but yourself, and you've fallen out of rhythm with the offense. And then they get a Juju Smith-Schuster, who's good, so he's stealing a few catches. Big Ben, like we documented last week, has been off on the deep passes, yes. so he's not getting the ball, and he's not going to get the ball a ton more now because I can promise you they're going to run the freaking ball from here on out, and then just strike when the the time is appropriate. The teams that I thought could make a runoff over Martinez, Martavis to try and get him for this year. Mm-hmm. Not like the Niners and stuff. Cowboys, I thought, could really use Martavis, sure. and he fits their belief system. Uh, Lions, I think, need a deep threat, and he would be good. I'd love to see him on the Panthers, because I don't think the Panthers have a guy like that. That would be awesome. And he fits their size profile. Right. Seahawks. Sure. I mean, come on. Yep. And the only other team, and now because I think their division is wide open, the Bears. I think if he went to the Bears, they're what, one or two games back from Minnesota? Two. Two games back? Right. I think if he went to the Bears, that'd be good too. Those were the five teams that I thought had a need yes. and that could do something this year. The thing that always hurts teams from trading in situations like this is the fact that he's they don't want to give too much to a guy like Martavis Bryant because no one in football is going to trust him and they're going to know and realize that he's still one test away from being suspended for another full year. And that's what stops teams. For me, teams. though, it's a fucking sixth-round pick. Like, I was watching the Eagles I don't game think on the, I don't think night. the Steelers are going to give him away for a sixth-round pick, I, though. Well, I'm gonna, then if I'm dealing with them, I'm right. going, he's a free agent mm-hmm. next year. Right. You clearly don't value him that much. You have young inventory behind him. We don't believe you. My thing is they were going to trade Michael Kendricks for, like, a fifth- or sixth-round pick. Right. The player's more valuable to me. It's a lot hard. You think, what do you think they're going to ask for, a third? Brandon Marshall only got a fifth. Yeah, well, he's Darren be- Sproles got a fifth. He's, he's, he's better than both of them, so... Yeah, I mean, I think. But like you said, there's a you know there there is there's a, they're they're in a spot there, but I just think with the team they are, of course too, just like we've talked about with backup quarterbacks, they're not going to be willing to let him go just in case one of the guys gets hurt. They don't want to ruin their season. Yeah, I'd love them on the Chiefs too, right. but uh, they're not trading. You know, we could talk about that too with like the Packers. Like I think the, he has two years left. By the, the way, he's not a free agent. Do the Packers try to find somebody to trade to get help their running backs scenario? I mean, Carlos Hyde. Car, uh, sure. I mean, one of the Bengals guys, Jeremy Hill. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I just or they, could, or they could call the Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah, we've been talking about the Bengals running backs now for a few weeks. All right, your power rankings came out today. <laughs> they did, and I think it's actually the first time that I care about power rankings because I do, there's not a number one in the NFL. Right. It's officially after week six. Now I think power rankings matter. What's funny is I went in uh, to the Malamutes, the guys that do Game of Zones, yes. and they were like, man, I think the Eagles are number one in the NFL. It's like, I think Sims has them at number two. And they're like, what? what? Are you crazy? 
people ne- will never they're never curious about a power ranking. They just want it to be what their power ranking is. Yes. So let's take a look at your top five. Sure. And then I have highlighted some other people. Okay. You have the Chiefs still at number one, the yep. Eagles at number two, the two teams that are at five and one. You have the Panthers at three. You have the Patriots at four and the Steelers at five. So you actually have two NFC teams now in the top three. The Patriots, though, still at four, Steelers at five. Yes. What do you think about your top five? What stands out to you in this group? Well, I I just think, uh, just looking at that real quick, I mean, the Eagles have played the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat them in a close football game. The Panthers played the Patriots. They beat them in a close football game. The Chiefs played the Steelers. The Steelers beat them in a close football game. Right. Uh, it just it's very hard to tell really this is that that part to me is pretty clear cut and dry. Those are the five best teams in the game to me. Those are your clear like I there's think a line so. after I five. think there's a little bit of a line. Like after that I put the Redskins, the Broncos, the Vikings, the Falcons. They all have a big issue they somewhere. They all have issues somewhere. Where I look at your, these teams. So, so we're certain now. Those are yeah. your top five teams. I think so. Yes. You think the Super Bowl winner will come out of those top five teams? Uh uh, you know, uh, teams like the Broncos and the Redskins can still scare me from that standpoint. Um, but I, I do think more than likely, yes, they will come out of those top A five. A strong five. Yeah. We have the Sims five now. Chiefs, Eagles, Panthers, Patriots, Steelers. In terms of the biggest risers, right. you had Washington going from 10th to 6th. Yes. Is that from other teams losing? Because they barely beat the Niners. It was. It was a little bit of that, too. Uh, definitely. The Redskins... You know, to, to me, too, with the injuries they got, like with Josh Norman, their defense being a little beat up, yeah. uh, they had chances to kind of put that game away, didn't do it. We talked about the bye week. Yeah, exactly right. We talked about the bye week sleepover. So, again, I'm trying not to do these and be too much, like, reactionary yeah. just by the week. I'm trying to, okay, this is what they did this week, and then I try to go, let's think of the full year. How did they win? Who did they win against? Uh, and I try to take all yeah. that into account. Felix Grimm says, well, what about the Saints? They were one of your biggest risers. They, they were. went from 18th to 11th. Yes. Where did you have them in the beginning of the year? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I could tell you right now because I actually got it pulled up. Beginning of the year, I'm going to say I had them around like 14, maybe even only, ooh, a little lower, it looks like. I had them at 20th. Wow. To start the year. Now they're at 11th. Yes, they and are. And they're, uh, what do you, how do you view them? I view them, I'm, I'm excited to watch that film, but the one thing I know, ever since the 0-2 start, the defense has been better every week, um, and I just think the offense is hasn't even hit his stride yet, and it's only going to get better. Like we talked about, like Willie Sneed just back in the lineup. I think they're finally finding the formula of how they want to use Ingram and Kamara right. without the AP issue. Yeah. The offensive line is healthy for the first time all year. Teron Armstead started a left tackle for the first time all year. So now they've got to put the other guys back in the spots yeah. they should be in. They're a team to watch out for. Like that's, I think I wrote that in my article. Just basically like they're one of the teams I look at to go Watch out. If the stars align here, they can be a real dangerous team going forward. Biggest fallers, Packers went from 5 to 17. Yep. Makes sense. They lose Aaron Rodgers. And the Broncos went from 2 to 8. Yeah. Where's your confidence level in them, though? The Broncos, I just, uh, really the same thing scares me is just. What's Sim- your take on Simeon? I, I like Simeon, I like his ability. Uh, I think his ability is underrated. I think he has a better arm, a quick release. He's a good athlete, but he just has a few plays every game. All right, I'm going to read you one of my things. One of my things I wrote at the end, I wrote, here we go. I go, first of all, I was talking about 
All right, uh, let's see. Broncos, next drive. Second, no one cares. Okay, right. Simeon misses him. Next play, INT to Collins. That was the one I talked to you about. He, he had Jamal. Think about this play, another game changer. Landon Collins blitzes off the edge. He throws the ball into the flat to Jamal Charles. Jamal like, Charles is uncovered. Do you remember this? And he like underthrows it. He underthrew it. it. I mean, he might score a touchdown. That's how open it is. The next play, he throws the interception to Landon Collins. And then after that, I wrote 13, Simeon. Way too aggressive. Know your effing team. You don't need to be a superhero. We just saw this team yeah. win the Super Bowl two years ago with shit quarterbacks. Just be smart. They could have won that game even as bad as it's going. I thought he was going to be a smart. I, I just, it's just, and you think of their losses. The Bills game, two stupid interceptions. Yeah. The this game yesterday, two stupid interceptions. Yeah, a bad fumble uh, early in the year against the Chargers, a sack. I mean, just little things that are going to be the difference in whether they can win, especially in December. The most interesting ones on your power ranking, Vikings at eight. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Number eight. Case Keenum-led Minnesota. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater could come back this year. Right. But Vikings at eight. Is that mainly defense? It's mainly to defense. To me, that shows how much parity is in the NFL that the Vikings oh, are eighth. have fun, like, Ranking eight through twenty. I mean, right now in the the whole league is three and two, two and three, four and two, two and four. I mean, the whole freaking league. Yes, the Vikings. The defense is special, and the offense is not the same as it was last year or the year before that. They are a balanced offense, and you got to think they've won two games without Stefan Diggs, really. And McKinnon's been a good replacement yeah. for Dalvin Cook. The Raiders are sitting at twenty eight mm-hmm. on your power rankings. Mm-hmm. 28. Yep, take that in. 28. That's I mean, exactly where we, they deserve to be. We predicted their fall off when a lot of people said, what about the Raiders? Neither of, neither of us had them making the playoffs. Yeah. But at 28. Yeah, I did not expect it to be like this. But just think about it this way, and I know you do, it's just like week one, Tennessee Titans, it's been bad play ever since. We talked about the Jets. I know they won in week two, yes, but it was not as what everybody thinks. And now it's four consecutive losses. And, yeah, um, I'm definitely concerned not only with their defense and their pass defense, but they're unable to create the same magic offensively last year. The offense is not quite the same as last year. They can't dominate the line of scrimmage in the run game. They're not pass protecting the same way. And you've had Derek Carr, who's not been healthy in the same and hasn't been able to create the magic. You know, again, this is where this is where the point really comes. Like, five plays can make you a, what were they last year, 12-4? and four? Yeah. I mean, think about the fourth quarter wins they had and some of the amazing plays. They Baltimore go the other Ravens, way. Ravens, he had a big fourth quarter Ravens, touchdown. Chargers, fourth and one go route. Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay overtime. overtime. You go through it. You go, yeah. The, the Saints two-point conversion to start the yeah. year. So you could take games and go, damn, if you just take those away, there's a 7-9 and nine football team. We had a lot of people in the comments section asking about Del Rio and Downing. Yeah. Man, Vladislav hit me up and said, I'm very concerned with Todd Downing and the Raiders play calling is awful. It is. What are the chances he or Del Rio is let go? Uh, I, uh, hmm. 
I do think that Downing's going to be in trouble if this continues. I mean, again, is the play calling that bad? Yeah, it just it hasn't. You know me, I like I and I'm, I'll, I say the first two weeks, I said, wow, there's some good things going on here. They just had a lot of the good base things out of every formation, but I've seen nothing off of it since then, and I've seen the same pretty much principles. Oh, it's empty set. Well, I could tell you the two or three pass plays they're going to run when they have no backs in the backfield. Oh, they're in this formation. Okay, so they're just not. And then you know, for me, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. But if you do something a lot, you got to do something else off that to mm. keep them the defense in check. And I don't see that. And the defense is definitely an issue. Yes, man, happened very quickly. Yep. All they right. got the Chiefs on Thursday night. The other team that I found to be very interesting was the Texans at twelve. Mm-hmm. We were watching the Texans game on Sunday, and Deshaun Watson continues to put up a crazy amount of statistics and looks really good. And you looked at me and said, Bill O'Brien has made the playbook about Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing with this offense right now? I just think they're going it's, – it's gone away from the last few years. Houston Texans, we're going to play defense and run the ball, and we're going to win the games ugly, and our defense will co- cause a few turnovers and win the game. No, to me, uh, ever since the New England game, it's just continued to be more aggressive, more aggressive pass plays, more aggressive run plays, designed run plays to to take advantage of Watson's athletic ability. I just think that from watching the last few weeks, O'Brien's basically said, the hell with it. The hell with this style of play. I have a star at quarterback. Uh, and we can really push the envelope and be dangerous on this side of the ball. You're seeing plays that you haven't seen from the Texans before. No, I, but these are again. Really? This is New England offense, and I feel like he's basically said, "You know what? Screw New England. I'll keep a few of the principles, but I'm going to add in some Andy Reid and Deshaun Watson crap here." Yeah, what are you seeing right it's now? It's just stuff like that: speed sweeps, read options, both backs in the backfield, play actions off the read option to drop back, and now you have a healthy Fuller and. DeAndre Hopkins, and they have decent tight end play. That's all they need, and he's really helped their run game, Lefko. That's Mm. the big thing, too, because you do have to account for him in the run game, and uh, you don't think this is a flash in the pan. You I don't, don't think people are going to adjust. You think this is going to be sustained success. I think this success. kid's a superstar, man. He sh- my only thing of doubting him, as you know, was just can he throw the 100-mile-per-hour fastball when he has, and holy crap balls, Batman. He's throwing it like 10 times a game now. I mean, he's he's phenomenal throwing the football. With three touchdowns on Sunday, Deshaun Watson is now seventh place all time in the Texans touchdown list, (laughs) and he has played less than six games. A new offense and a new face for the Texans franchise. That is somebody that has undoubtedly set the bar, but now it is time for our two players that don't just raise the bar, they are the bar. Before we start this segment, I'm good. Go ahead. Start again. (laughs) <laughs> hey, there are some live videos, baby. There are some players. Did you do that on purpose? No, I didn't. I messed up. <laughs> there are some players that raise the bar, then there are other players. There are some players that raise the bar, and there are other players that are the bar. Sims, who was your player that was the bar on Sunday? Man, the the guy was the bar all game long is Jay Ajayi for me and what he did for the Miami Dolphins offense. I mean, Jay Ajayi was phenomenal. Uh, of course, you talk about his day statistically, 26 carries, 130 yards, uh, made some tough runs, broke through the line of scrimmage, made some big runs for this football team. If he can run like this, uh, this is a Dolphins team that can change around 
around their year and be, again, like last year, a legitimate playoff contender. Jay Cutler's not as good as Ryan Tannehill was at this year. Uh, at this point last year, Jay Cutler needs Jay Ajayi to run like this, not only to help him in the pass game, it's going to help, of course, their defense, um, and it's just going to help Jay Cutler to continue to adjust and get back in the flow of this Adam Gase offense. Uh, from the team that Jay Cutler is on to the team that he used to be, my player that set the bar, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, what he did in Baltimore was absolute bash fest. 36 carries against the Baltimore Ravens. This is the most rushing yards against the Ravens since Marshall Falk in the late 90s. This doesn't happen anymore. And what he did in overtime, breaking multiple tackles, including a strip attempt from Eric Weddle and running down the sideline, Jordan Howard was the reason they won that game with no passing attack to be known for. Went out there and smashed and smashed and smashed and the hammer, he is a player that didn't just raise the bar, he was the bar. He was unbelievable. He was. The Ravens haven't allowed stuff like that in years. Jordan Howard is, again, for the second year in a row, a guy that's not getting enough national respect, really. I mean, again, we, we talked about it a lot in the offseason. I don't think anybody really realized that he was second in football and rushing last year. He is a beast. Uh, he's been playing with the shoulder injury, which you've talked about yes. a lot. Which you got, I mean, a running back with a shoulder injury. I mean, that's like you want to talk about the mayor of Psychoville. There you go. I mean, that's crazy stuff. And he's phenomenal, not only with balance, but his ability to run through arm tackles and run with some speed for a big guy is is off the charts. Two quick little uh, Lefko sprinkles about that game. Mitch Trubisky becomes the first quarterback to beat the Ravens in Baltimore in the John Harbaugh era. They were nine and zero previously against rookie. Rookies. Quarterbacks. Okay. And Tariq Cohen is the first person, five, six, or shorter, to throw a touchdown pass since Wee Willie Smith in 1934 for the Giants. Oh, Wee Willie. Wee Willie. He was also five, six. <laughs> I just like that one because it was five, uh, Wee Willie. Uh, speaking of running backs doing awesome stuff. Where the hell did Adrian Peterson come from? Adrian Peterson had more yards in the first half with the Cardinals than he did in his first four games with the Saints. He finishes the day with an absolute towering number, 134, two touchdowns. He juked a few guys out of their shoes. He had Larry Fitzgerald going crazy. He is currently staying with Larry Fitzgerald mm. in his guest house. Man, they two are goats. living together. Two future Hall of Famers, undoubtedly. Yeah. Yep. You, you During the game, they're allowing him to run downhill. Yeah. They've changed the play calling to one that would suit him, but it's going to open up the downfield passing game for the Cardinals. Yes. Is this sustainable? It, it It's sustainable because I don't think they have a choice. Like, right? I really think that the Arizona Cardinals, first of all, they have to play this way. Their offensive line is not good. It's below average NFL standards. It's In fact, it's one of the worst in football, plain and simple. And you've seen the pass protection issues they've had. And we know Bruce Arians is a little stubborn, and he's going to continue to throw the ball down the field no matter what. It's the perfect marriage because – 
Adrian Peterson is a running back. Unlike in New Orleans, he can't like carry the ball three times and then come out of the series. He, for... And he said that, too, after the game. Did he? Okay. He said in that first game against Minnesota, my first carry, I rushed for nine yards. Right. And then they took me out. Yes. He goes, here, I rushed for eight yards, and they put me in again. Yes. And he needed that. He does need that. It, just like any other position, you need to have a rhythm to what you're doing. And when you know you're going to get fed and you know, okay, man, I missed the cut this play, but I'm going to get more carries, so I'll be okay. I'll see it right next time. You don't then add the pressure onto yourself to go, oh, i got to make something happen so the coach keeps me in the game. But this offensive line, with the way they struggle uh, in pass protection, they're going to continue to run. They're going to be able to, like you said, use the play action off of it. And I really think it changes the dynamic of their team. Listen, I'm not saying this is going to be big yardage every week, but Adrian Peterson still has enough in the tank, as you saw, to really be a really good NFL running back. And uh, they got the Rams this week. Rams run defense is not special. No. So this is going to make things interesting. I mean, this is going to And if is, Arizona wins that game, it's a game changer. All of a sudden they're what? 4 and 3 and the Rams would be 4, four and, and three. 3, right. And all of a sudden the West is wide open too. It's uh, yeah. a crazy year. It is a crazy Super year. Super happy that I'm the one putting my name on locks. <laughs> um uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. We were so afraid. Woo. Leonard Fournette, I don't know if you guys saw it, his leg planted and it went straight out. But luckily, they were playing on grass. Ah, uh, grass. And what happened when his leg straightened out? The grass gave. went with it. Right. It gave. And luckily, it didn't buckle his entire knee like every other player that we've talked about in this podcast. That should be the video they send to everyone around the league. No more turf, or else you would have lost him on the same day you lost Aaron Rodgers. Man, that would have been a brutal day for me. I mean, that would have been three man crushes in a span of seven days. I would have been in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was scary. And, boy, is he incredible. He's incredible, period. I mean, even, you know, it was again. Ba- it was ba- the reason it sucked is you were going the whole game. Can they run it one time outside? Right. Every run with Leonard Fournette is right up the center's right. ass. That was a little bit too much. But, every, but finally, run outside, and then on on that play, you go, finally, they run to the outside. Yes. Foot gets locked. Oh, it, it, it looks apparently nasty. fine. Yeah, it's amazing. It speaks to the freak of the nature he is, that he is fine. Uh, but, yeah, he's amazing. I mean, I'll give the Rams credit. Their defense did play better after letting up that first 75-yard touchdown run. But, again, the 75-yard touchdown run. I mean, do you, do you guys see the size of this man who's leaving everybody in the dust? I mean, you're seeing, like – legit NFL corners chasing after him and being like, okay, the hell with it. I'm not going to catch him. I'll just give up. I mean, I mean, that's you don't see that. No. Not by 240 running, 240-pound running back. Like Mark Ingram doesn't weigh that much and he gets caught. Yes. Jordan Howard doesn't weigh that much and he gets Le'Veon caught. Le'Veon Bell, same thing. And they get caught. Right. Leonard Fournette, it's funny, that was the reason you put Zeke over Leonard Fournette when we would do those comparisons because mm-hmm. you're like, man, Zeke though, he's got that 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 runaway speed. I don't know if I... I haven't seen anyone call, catch Leonard Fournette yet. No. And he... he's registered the two top fastest runs miles per hour from Next Gen stats right. of any player in the NFL. He flies. And I didn't put Zeke over him, though. I did not. I remember in the draft, I came out and I said, I think I would take Fournette, all things being equal, if Fournette was a better prospect. It was very close. Yeah. But it's okay. Whatever. I mean, shut your mouth. Um, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> but Fournette is a freak of nature. We're uh, going to go back and find your draft review of him. Fine. Yeah. We watched the Give video together. Yeah. Oh, I don't care about the props, but he's he's... 
again, this is a team that's beating him into the ground because oh. they're just trying to run the ball and play defense, and that game got off to the worst possible start it could because when they get ahead, uh, they're a tough team to beat, but it is kick return. Uh, then they climbed back in the game, made yeah. it close, and then they had a punt block for a touchdown, and that really was what changed Every the game. Every time I looked up, Blake Bortles was throwing underneath to a running back. Yes. They just they, they, they can't do anything. No, they cannot. Um, only other thing we have to talk about, but then we're going to go, the Jets-Patriots call. Oh, I know. Al Riveron, the NFL Senior Vice President of Officiating, was asked, how long was the discussion with New York on that review? Well, we went through two or three primary looks, and then this other shot came up. When that other shot came up, it was just boom, boom, boom. It was a pretty quick determination. Quote, it was pretty obvious. Gosh. I don't understand how that call happened at all, let alone the head officiating saying it was obvious. The two guys that used to do that job, what are their names? Pereira and Blandino. Both said they were wrong. Right. This guy then came out and said, well, that's their opinion. And this is my problem with refereeing. Yes. There shouldn't be an opinion. No. All I ever hear, as soon as a call happens, every color commentator goes, well, Jim, as we know, the rule on the field was a touchdown, and we're going to need... Conclusive? What is the word? Is the phrase? We're going to need... Indisputable evidence. Thank you. We're going to need indisputable evidence. Literally, that's what every people at a bar would look and say to each other. Well, they need indisputable evidence. Well, guess what? They're going to need indisputable evidence. (laughs) It's what everyone... It's like when you see a flag and everyone goes, hold. You just assume. Indisputable evidence. What was the indisputable evidence? That the ball kind of went between and it went out of bounds? And then I know your boy Florio was saying they shouldn't be out there on the 20. (laughs) It should be on the 1. I'm just saying in general... I don't know what the hell happened. I don't care if that is a rule. It happened last week to Todd Gurley, too, and they ended up losing that game by a touchdown. My thing is this. The call on the field was a touchdown, and there was not indisputable evidence that he lost the ball. No. I don't get it either, man. I don't care about the rule. I think the rule is weird. It doesn't make sense to me that you're going in for a touchdown, and all of a sudden the other team has it on the 20. It just doesn't make sense. No. The fact that it happened and it benefited the Patriots makes it worse <laughs> because everyone's going to think. But my, my thing is indisputable evidence. That's the one thing we think we, we know. know as fans. Yes. I, I, I don't get it either. It certainly was not indisputable that the fact that he fumbled the ball. Yeah, he lost control of it. And then it was looked in his like hand. like he gained control of it before he hit the pylon once so again. So you're telling me that if I'm running to the end zone and I dive in and midair I decide to throw the ball from one hand to the other and then dive in with that hand and get a touchdown, that's going to be a touchback because I lost. But, but hey. Hey. I don't great. know. It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Nor does yeah, the Jets. The Jets blew it. I'll, I'll be interested to see when you, you check in on the podcast Thursday morning. I'll give you a good breakdown of what happened in that game. I mean, just real quick. There's the Jets up fourteen to seven, and McCown throws an interception to Malcolm Butler on the sidelines, and then a few plays later, I, I just don't even get it. I, I really don't. There's twenty six seconds left in the half, and they throw an out route. Well, I've, they throw the big bomb, first of all, to Brandon oh, Cooks. Yeah. Remember, that got him down to the two oh, yeah. or three yard line. Why they were playing press coverage. What on. are you playing press coverage? Did you think, I mean, this is the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. 
Like, just let them have the freaking field goal and go in 14 to 10 and let's call it a day. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand it sometimes. Patriots are the first team in NFL history to allow six straight individual 300 yard mm-hmm. passing games. The only thing I'm going to say. Yes. And don't be mad at me. Actually, you can be mad at me. Like okay, I'm going to be mad. The amount of Jets fans that were coming up to us when they were up 14 nothing whether it was on Twitter or working with us, that we're going, this is the worst thing ever. This team can't lose. And then they're so upset that this call went up against them. I don't know. There's part of me that thinks you guys deserved it. Because all the Jets fans, all I've heard for the last few weeks is, man, why can't we suck? I want I want one of these quarterbacks. And then they're going to beat the Patriots and go 4-2. and two, right. And this call happens. It's like, man, we got a job. No, this is exactly what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. This you're exactly you're sucking. You you're blowing games. Yeah. <laughs> I, Jets fans are more depressed than us. Than uh, Eagles fans. Oh, yeah. You, yeah there's a lot of similarity, similarities, but you're right. They're more depressed than you. I have a question. We're going to talk about this on the next podcast, right. but I want your advice right now. Okay. So I'm a mush, right? You are a mush. And the teams that I pick to win lose. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to pick against the Eagles all year. But I think that the universe will know, so I need to find a way to convince myself every week that the Eagles are going to lose to flip the mush. What do you think about this? Well, I think that your ego is just gigantic, and you think the oh. whole world's about you. <laughs> I just don't think Carson Wentz, when he's on third and ten in the crucial part of the game, he's going, damn, did the mush Lefko bet on me or not? Because, fuck, that's going to determine things here. Um, I think you're underestimating my power. <laughs> the power of the Sorry, mush. Spock. 61% of the time, I'm giving you guys winners. You just have to decode what those winners are. <laughs> Guys, we love you very much. Uh, it's always fun to break it down on a Monday. Uh, we'll be recording on Wednesday uh, our weekly podcast. will be episode 136, the Brian Westbrook episode. Bam. And then we'll be doing our picks live on Facebook Thursdays. If you guys want to watch, we do them Thursdays at 1 o'clock, and then that is released on Friday in podcast form. Love you guys so much for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say goodnight, and I would say the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Man. Um, Yankees. Let's go, Yanks! Go Let's go, Yanks! Mush. I'm mushing it. I'm mushing T- it. Titans are going to win 30-27 to 27 if Mariota plays. We'll see. See you guys later.